This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're, 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 tuned, you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati, the top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Thursday is here. It's Wednesday in Bengals world. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing pretty good, Lindsay. How are you doing? Good, good. I'm ready for uh, some Monday Night Football, and I'm so glad we finally got to the podcast where we can talk Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Buffalo Bills, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, match up with this offense and this defense. We'll have predictions later on in the podcast. But I feel like the biggest news of today right now Obviously, we know Lyle Collins is out for the season. They're going to put him on the IR soon. That hasn't been official. And the team hasn't announced that it's an ACL, but we, we're we hearing, obviously, insider information that it's an ACL going to be done for the rest of regular season and then postseason. The hope is he'll be ready for training camp in early August. So you move to the offensive line. And I think, you know, we've talked about it plenty on this podcast that it was going to be Hakeem Adeniji's turn at right tackle uh, that's starting to look like maybe it's not going to be Hakeem's job. It's not official in Cincinnati. And Zach Taylor was asked by the media today who's going to be the right tackle. And he said they do know internally, but they're not ready to announce it, which he doesn't have to as the head coach right now. They have a few more practices in there. Why would you tell Buffalo if you don't have to go ahead and say uh, this is going to be our starter when it comes to the right tackle position? But it's going to look like Isaiah Prince, probably 90% sure, is going to get the start. Yeah, um, you had Joe Burrow say, feel confident in Zay, and Zay is the nickname of Isaiah Prince, and not for some reason the nickname of Hakeem Adeniji. Uh Yeah, I, other than feeling like I wasted 1,500 words on uh, Hakeem Adeniji, and also thinking that he made plenty of improvements and showed why he could start at right tackle and in my opinion, probably should start at right tackle for the next couple of games. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's uh, We can talk about the, the two players are pretty yeah. different. Yeah, okay. I mean, Adeniji, I think, moves better. I think he's athletic. I think that's what's exciting about him at right tackle is he's a really good mover. He's very athletic. He lacks some of the – still got a little um, – rough around the edges to him, you know, giving up a few pressures because, you know, he's not hitting his landmarks or he's missing the snap count or things like that. He's giving up his chest a little bit. But overall, when you watch him, at least in this past game, I felt like, yeah, this guy could start at right tackle and probably do an okay job. I think he's done enough to look like a solid swing tackle for the future. 
Isaiah Prince, last time we saw him was in the Super Bowl, which didn't go well at all. Uh, he's longer and stronger. I think those are the two things that if you value length and power, then I guess you go with Prince. If you value other things, I think you go with Adenogy. The Racking my brain a little bit on why. I think that Adenogy is a better pass protector probably. Um, Prince, I think, can give you a little bit more, as I mentioned, power, a little bit more of what Collins was giving you in the run game specifically. If you want to run power stuff to the right side, uh, Adenogy is not going to displace a defender like Prince can. So maybe that's some of the reason you would go with Prince. Uh, maybe you're worried about Gregory Russo's length or just length in general. Um, but yeah, when I think back and hey, a rising tide lifts all ships, they are now going to play with Alex Kappa at right guard with Ted Karras at center, just improvements along this right side. So whoever gets in there should be better than the last postseason run. It's just, I thought Dungey played solid. Now maybe Prince comes in and he does a solid job this game. Who knows? It's, I don't want to go full doom and gloom. I think I would make the other move, but I do think there's some validity to it. And also just think that the floor should be higher for whoever plays there than it was in the last postseason, because trying to play next to Jackson Carmen or Adenogy out of position, I think he's a tackle and they had him at guard and Hopkins having his career worst year, you know, that that's a low floor. Now the adjacent guys should be able to help them a little bit and lift it up. I think what's surprising about all of it is normally on Wednesdays, Lyle Collins wouldn't practice on Wednesdays. And that's the first real practice days for a team. And Hakeem Adeniji was taking those first team reps. So to be a little surprised that, and obviously you, you you bank on Lyle Collins being out there at your right tackle position when he was healthy, to kind of go with Isaiah Prince, the only thing I can really think of when it comes to Prince, and as you men mentioned, the length, um, they're obviously different in size. Maybe it's because they know that he's had the experience in some of these big games. Um, you know, you, you look at these postseason games, he's been out there before. Obviously, it wasn't great, but I do feel like it's a little bit of a difference. And maybe I'm more on the optimistic side of what the offensive line could look like with him out there is you do have Alex Kappa, you do have Ted Karras, um, you do have Cordell Bolson. and I know he's a rookie out there, and then Jonah Williams on the other side, that maybe that's going to be helpful when it comes to this offensive line and the chemistry with Isaiah Prince and just having that experience. And not that Hakeem Adeniji couldn't be out there. He was obviously out there in the Super Bowl, one of the biggest games. This is a Monday night football game. I, I mentioned, you know, on social media, I feel like it's the biggest regular season game in franchise history in a really long time. And it's not going to be too big for Isaiah because he's been in the big game. But at the same time, I just I guess I have a few more questions on on why they roll with Prince, because I think a lot of us were making on Hakeem Adeniji if you weren't saying Andrew Whitworth. Um, that's that's what this offensive line was going to look like. So it's a little questionable. And I wonder how long the leash is if they do decide to if things aren't going well, if they make the move and put Hakeem out there 
or if Isaiah does okay in this matchup and then it's different for the Baltimore Ravens game in the playoffs. You obviously can't just play musical chairs with your offensive line going into these important games. Um, but I guess when you look at the matchup as a whole with this Buffalo team, I, I want more of your pros and cons with Prince in this matchup. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, the matchup that whoever is at right tackle is going to face, I'm kind of briefly talked about it, but Gregory Russo is like six foot six. I swear I looked that up. <laughs> but when I, I watched him when he was in college, just a little bit, because I, I watched like a game or two. Yeah, he is six foot six. Nice recollection from me. Um, but I watched him in college a little bit. He went to Miami. He was one of the top defensive end prospects then. It wasn't a good class. It was like him, Azizo, Jalari, and uh, Jalen Phillips, who were all d- turning into pretty good players. Uh, there was no like miles garrett type in the draft though so i watched him and i remember thinking i was watching and watching i just kind of went like kind of like great value carlos dunlap <laughs> and then uh you know that's not a bad thing but just like uh i don't know if he'll ever be done i mean dunlap's had over 100 sacks in his career the guy's awesome uh so has he ever hit that level i don't know but he plays similarly he's strong and long which i mentioned with prince can match that Adenji can't really match that too well i think there's ways that Adenji could get around that and provide his own power uh not power but provide his own um positive impacts on the game but when you're talking about just matching length and power match it with length and power and whoever wins wins uh that Russo lines up over there. It's like 75% of the time. So that you're, you know who you're getting most of that game. Uh, I think it's even been that way. I, I watched the game against the bills or the, the game as well. The game against the dolphins. Jeez. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Russo was never moving sides. So you know who you're going to get on each uh, in each game. I don't think you could just decide it based off this matchup though. Like, I feel like developing the continuity as we hit a playoff run is more important than trying to play musical chairs, as you mentioned, or, you know, just play matchup ball with your with your right tackle. Uh, one of those guys has to just get ingrained in the offense and be able to go. It speaks a little bit to where they think Adenji is, because I, I have to think that after the playoff run and nothing so far this season, they this guy was on waivers in the practice squad. They, they don't have that high of an opinion on Isaiah Prince, I don't think. Like, he's not a guy that they're praying to protect, but I don't know. Uh, he's longer, he's stronger, he could do some of that power stuff. He could, He's not the best pass protector. I would assume what this actually does, and it's true with the Denigy too, you're probably going to give that guy a lot of help. And whether that is giving him some slide or giving him the tackle chip, whatever, you're probably going to see Jonah Williams on an island more often than he was with Collins. That's and they did that in the Patriots game where they they were giving Adenji the help. So right side is going to get help because you know which side is weaker, which puts your left tackle on an island a little bit. I don't think this is a matchup he should get killed in. So it probably works, but. Something to think about, especially going forward. You got to play the Chargers or something, and you're going to get Joey Bosa against uh, Jonah Williams, but you have to give help on the right side. Then again, it's Khalil Mack over there, or whatever, whichever one is wherever. <laughs> this is the only dominant edge group I could think of in the playoffs. But if you run into them, 
you got to think about that too. It's, it's like, I got to give help to the right tackle pretty much no matter what. And now General Williams, good, good luck. <laughs> uh, we'll do some other stuff to help you out. But uh, in this game, I think he's just going to kind of be on the island for the most part. I, I think you're going to get a few snaps of Prince or a, still a chance with energy, but we're thinking Prince. So I think you get a few snaps of Prince on the, you know, proverbial island here, but uh, you're going to get more help going his way. If you think of it like a slider, it's like, it used to be close to 50-50, and now that help is leaning heavily to the right side. Yeah, it's definitely going to be something to watch on Monday Night Football. I know right now social media is not a huge fan of this because I think a lot of people predicted that it would be Hakeem Adeniji. I thought it would be Hakeem Adeniji until today. Um, but, you know, and and you wonder if, if Joe Burrow has a say in it. He was in his press conference today, and Joe's – job isn't to know that we don't know who's going to be the right tackle right now. I mean, he's just saying he, he felt pretty confident in the job that he can do or whoever is at right tackle. Um, when you think about him out there and kind of what we've talked about with this offense, I want to transition a little bit to the cover too. One of the biggest things was what this offense really started to look like after week five. And early on, Joe was struggling with cover two. And that was a pretty big story to start the season with this offense. And it seems like, you know, ever since Callahan, quarterback coach, Joe Burrow um, have really been involved in the play calling. Things have really changed for what this offense looks like, getting the run game going, um, getting all the wide receivers involved. What have you noticed since week five with this team and, and going against cover two? Yeah, that, that's the Ravens game, right? Week five, mm-hmm. I think. Um, yeah, I mean, it was like a wholesale schematic change around them. Started in the run game to be able to take advantage of these light boxes because one of the issues with cover two is we got to be able to run the ball and at least threaten them a little bit. They weren't able to do that early on. And then they switched to this power run game stuff and it works really well. They were really high up there, you know, rush EPA per play and run success rate and to my eyeballs it looked better than when they were trying all the zone stuff under center so getting a uh, well-developed shotgun run game just kind of makes it so that teams can't sit deep in these cover two looks and take everything away they actually have to be able to play the run but to go with that I think they also started running different concepts I think the quarterback started playing better Uh, there's a lot of reasons for all this. And then you also think about what we've talked about and the Jamar chase injury really made them kind of learn how to drive the ball methodically down the field rather than bank on big explosive plays, not no longer just Jamar chase. I'm going to toss you the ball and you're going to get 50 yards. And that's how we're going to generate good offense is nothing, 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 50 yards, nothing, nothing. Now it's like 8, 10, 12, 15, 8, 5, 7, 3. And then eventually you also still get those plays, but, you know, you're learning that I can take my checkdowns. I can, you know, get to all these high-low stuff that they like to do. They've run more cover two beaters, and they, I believe, in that same tweet, they mentioned that Burrow has faced cover two at the highest percentage. That, to me, is almost a little bit more of a of – a, it is a Joe Burrow – uh, statistic. It's a little bit of a Jamar Chase statistic because they don't want to allow that guy to play one-on-one at all. And really, the main way you can play zone defense and not allow Jamar Chase to be one-on-one with a guy on the outside is by cover two to that side. Whether that's going to be cover two or quarter-quarter half stuff, uh, we saw a lot of quarter-quarter half in the Ravens game and a few other games that Jamar called six strong, I remember, uh, in the Ravens game. So they gave me a lot of six strong on that 
which means he's getting the cover two to his side. But the running concepts that attack this, you saw Burrow in this past game just shred cover hit. There's holes in cover two underneath because you have two deep defenders and then five underneath defenders creating seven and four pass rushers. The holes underneath are there, but the, the deep holes are in between the safeties or in between the safety and corner. And Burrow is just shredding that down the field. I mean, these were just dimes he was tossing. This is why I think the Patriots game, this past game, might have been Burrow's best game because he was just hitting everything. I mean, there was the drop touchdown from Irwin, the drop touchdown from Chase, and the missed DPI call on Higgins. Otherwise, we're talking about like 450 yards, five touchdown performance from Joe Burrow. And I think that, you know, got the AFC player of the week probably because some people are watching and going like, oh, geez, they're dropping some uh, some beautiful throws here. That there's two, the two that really hurt me are the one to Irwin down the middle of the field. I, you know, it is your fourth wide receiver and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But just on a chalkboard, he makes the perfect throw, perfect trajectory, perfect velocity, hits him in the hands, no touchdown. And then the other one is one of my favorites to watch, the one to chase down the left side. And also miss. Chase dropped the out and up. That would have been like a 70-yard play. So I guess we're talking like 500 yards. But anyway, uh, it was down the left sideline. And the ball, the corner is underneath Chase. And the safety is over the top. And the ball just, it falls down because Chase never gets to it. Or maybe gets a hand on it. But it basically hits the exact spot. There's like a foot of a window there down the field. And Burrow had to put some touch on it. And, uh it's one of my favorite throws and it didn't get completed. So I'm upset because it's like, I can't really post it as a highlight as much as I want to, but yeah, he, he was hitting the stuff. And the reason that this is interesting is because I think a lot of people tell you that with Burrow's arm strength, well, he can't attack these, you know, sideline hole shots or can't fit the ball between the two safeties down the middle of the field. And he showed he can. That's what makes me mad about the Patriots game. Joe, obviously, he won AFC Offensive Player of the Week, so people who vote on that and, and see notice that he had a great game um, his first half alone. They honestly left so so many touchdowns off the board or just plays in general. And that's why Joe, who does not get heated or anything, he got on the sideline and he was kind of like, all right, Tyler, a little bit of miscommunication there. Uh, they, they were chatting on the sidelines and just knowing that that interception there, the pick six, um, those those weren't on Joe Burrow, and it's just unfortunate because he could have just had another, like you mentioned, maybe it's a 500-yard day for him in the air, um, but just a, a great performance by Joe. And it's always it's always odd to say that after an interception and pick six, but we know Joe's interceptions, those tip passes, um, when those are those are a little annoying is something that he has to work on, but those weren't anything close to that when it comes to what he looked like against the Patriots defense. So, uh, so it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch Joe Burrow. It's really exciting to think about him and, and Josh Allen on Monday Night Football, but we'll get more to that matchup in just a moment. Next, we're going to the mailbag on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. 
turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Thank you, as always, for sending your mailbag questions on Thursday. We're going to start right here with Adam Wheels. He says, could Cam Sample and Joseph Asai be the next duo compared to Sam Hubbard, Trey Hendrickson? I know it's early, but have any flashes shown for you? I think they flashed. I think I'd be surprised. Would you not? Because... Mm -hmm. I don't think either one has shown they are consistently a down to down above average starting end. And maybe it just needs more time, but I think I'd be surprised. I'd be surprised if that was just like the duo they're moving on from both of these guys into those two. It feels more like maybe one of them can be for the future, like starting defensive end. And then you're probably talking rotation piece for the other. I don't know though. I, and I don't know which is which because I used to think Osai would be that guy, but I thought Cam Sample has done a better job the past couple of weeks, even though Osai has shown a little bit um, in the past rush department. And I still think has the higher ceiling. I think Cam Sample is starting to show he could be that guy, but I'd still be surprised. I, I don't know. Maybe I just don't have the vision for it. I don't have the vision for that right now, but obviously I'm pumped if a guy works out that you've drafted um, to be out of depth or, or be the future when you think about the defensive side of the ball. We'll go to Aaron. He said, so I find myself raising an eyebrow how good Trenton Irwin has been. Is he a viable option when looking forward to the future of post Tyler Boyd? We have kind of talked about how Trent Irwin does a lot of outside stuff too. Tyler Boyd, slot receiver. I think Irwin can play slot and stuff. Um, it's another one. I I feel like the Bengals will – I you think they'd hit the draft, right, and get somebody who's really cheap, like a third-round pick or something or maybe a second-round pick. It's, Tyler Boyd's probably not replaceable with that third or second or with Trent Irwin. He's a very good player, but to me, I feel like, I feel like I would hit that. And maybe this depends on what T Higgins is too. You know, is he still there? And I know there's questions about that, but uh, <laughs> um, I do think Tyler Boyd probably isn't going to make it to another contract with Cincinnati. Just too many people to pay. He's getting older. Mm -hmm. uh, but Yeah. I don't know. You could try it, I guess, but you need a viable wide receiver for where do you find a good wide receiver for? Why not draft a guy with upside? And then you're talking about like, well, if we're going to draft a guy, why don't we draft a guy that's going to fit the area of need? Or at least these slot receivers are the ones that tend to fall in the draft. You're talking about, you know, Tyler Boyd was a late second round pick. Um, Cooper Cup was a what, third round pick. Uh, it, Chris Godwin wasn't a first round pick. So like all the big name and then even the smaller name as well, you know, your Jacoby Myers was not a high pick. These guys are slot receivers and they usually fall in the draft because they're not elite athletes. They usually don't have great size. And because of those two things, there's a lot of guys that can fit that bill, even if they're not as talented as a, a Boyd. So 
to me, I feel like that replacement comes in the draft, mm -hmm. but I think Irwin has shown plenty. You know, we keep trying to hammer the Decker thing. I see nobody talk about it, but uh, very disappointing. I, but I am going to call out people if they call him Julian Edelman anymore. Like, I'm over it. You can't do it. Give some respect to being over six. His height. Yeah. Uh, Edelman's five foot nine. Yeah. Everyone remember that. Remember that he's he's in the six foot. Chris, Chris Evans has a chance to be a Julian Edelman more. I still can't believe I'll be completely honest with you. Obviously, we're very familiar with Jamar Chase's size, but there that photo that they put out like in September this year, they were um, on a road trip, and Joe Mixon next to Jamar Chase is so hilarious because Jamar's smaller and Joe is so big. You think running back short, wide receiver tall? Jamar is technically six feet. I think five eleven. In shoes, uh, <laughs> he plays big, but I don't, think he's big. I don't think he's actually that tall. And Joe Mixon's like six foot one, barefoot, so he's like a huge running back. And I think I don't know how tall P Ryan is. I know Mixon is tall though. I'm gonna look up some heights now. Yeah, well, this is a height podcast now. Uh, <laughs> but I, I agree with you when you talked about the wide receiver situation. One of the things outside of John Ross, this team is really good at drafting wide receivers. And you can't say that about a lot of franchises around the league. Cincinnati in past history, they've just been good at picking guys up and maybe it's not the first or second round. It is those third round. You think of Marvin Jones when they drafted him late in the NFL draft. Um, they've always just kind of found the, those gems in, inside the draft. I don't really see them spending money in free agency when it comes to that because they're going to be wanting to pay their own guys if they do keep T, if they do keep Jamar, which I do think it's at least one of those guys in the future, but we're not talking future right now. We're talking about this current 2022 team. We will go to Will Porter. He says, what worries you the most about Monday night when the Bengals are on defense? Uh, Stephon Diggs. I know. I Same thought. I was like, it's a secondary for me. Yeah, I mean, it's just uh, oh, man. For some reason, I just can't get – I see the stats. I, I, I watch him play, though. And, you know, he's good but not elite. Um, I just can't get into the – well, Eli Apple will do fine against Stephon Diggs. Whenever I hear the matchup, I'm like, I don't know about that. I should give him some help. <laughs> uh, I don't think Gabe Davis is an awesome wide receiver. I think he's fine. I, I, he's a, good for a big play, so hopefully I'm not eating my words he can make huge plays. He's their big play guy. But I think people thought he was going to be something more than he was this season because of that one game against all the Chiefs backup corners. Uh, Stephon Diggs, though, that's uh, he's up there for – I don't know if you can make the best, the case best receiver in the league, so okay. maybe not there. Justin Jefferson. Uh, Tyree Kill, Justin Jefferson, Devontae. I don't know. You can make a lot of cases. <laughs> Uh, Jabbar Chase, sure. I think he's right below that, though, and like the fifth best receiver in the league, somewhere around there. Yeah. Feels I about think. right. I know he hasn't played that well lately, but just he scares me. Uh, I think he's very, very good wide receiver and probably the best non-quarterback player. Not even probably, definitely the best non-quarterback player on their offense. So why would that not be the thing I'm worried about when it's the thing that the Bengals are injured at defending? with their corners and he's the best player that's not throwing the ball. Oh, but it turns out their best player is the one throwing the ball <laughs> to the second best player in the offense. That's going to be the thing I'm concerned on. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. And that's no offense to Eli Apple or, or Cam Taylor Britt. I feel like they've stepped up a lot this season. Obviously, I would really like Cheeto to be out there. Uh, that would make me feel a little bit better when I think about Stefan Diggs and just their wide receiver group. Uh, I just that if I were to pick the mismatch at this moment, I'd love to be wrong. I'd love to be wrong because I've been wrong about Eli Apple plenty of times since he's been in Cincinnati. Um, but I just I don't see it right now. But maybe maybe Monday night we'll see something different. We'll start with John. He says most likely we'll flip to the offensive side for the Bengals. Most likely to go off against this Bills team. Oh man! In the game I watched, it was against the Dolphins, and the Bills had they just didn't care about fitting the run. But I, I the past two weeks make it hard for me to say the run game is going to be what's really drives this offense, especially with the Collins injury. So that stops me a little bit from saying Joe Mixon, although I wouldn't be shocked if Mixon has like a hundred plus yards in this game and on good efficiency, it's always safe to go with Jamar chase, right? I thought it was a T Higgins week last week because of how the Patriots like to play things, but this week the, the bills kind of do what they do. I mean, they give respect to these guys, but mm-hmm. I don't uh, – Tyree Kill got a little bit – he got plenty of extra help, but they still would line up of, on occasion and just trust their guys to cover Hill and Waddle. I think Trey White's good, but I, I – like very good, actually. I think he's like – he's a still a borderline elite corner, and mm-hmm. I know his stats are interesting or whatever. No, not this season. Heavy, uh, oh, he was so good in the Dolphins. He, he just had, he had two flubs. He, he had a, a one um, stutter go from Jalen Waddle that worked. And whenever he put his hands on Jalen Waddle, though, Waddle just shut. He just shut Waddle down. Waddle got a busted coverage to score a touchdown, then had the stutter go for a big gain. But other than that, like every time White would actually be trusted to you know hit him, jam him at the line, he did such a good job. He tried to do it against Hill, though, and Hill beat him for a touchdown. And I was like, okay. That's kind of what I think of what Chase could do is if you do line up, press single high, press coverage, you're going to try to jam Jamar Chase. That's an opportunity for him. And I think they're going to give him some of those. They like to play quarters. And they like to play zone, a little bit of cover, too. They don't love lining up and playing, you know, just man-to-man. Some of that's the corner injuries that they've had, but – even with the injury, I think Trey White's really good. That's kind of my favorite matchup of the mm-hmm. game is going to be Trey White against what I think will be Jamar Chase, but they might just – I don't know. I think it'll be Jamar Chase, but they could put him on T and do the old Patriots, you know, single their best corner on T, double Jamar type situation. Uh, but, yeah, when I watch it, I, I think Jamar Chase has a game, but we'll see. I think they definitely doubled Jamar, but at the same time, if you look, Charlie Goldsmith actually had a really good tweet on this earlier today. Bills fans did not like it. Oh, um, I the one <laughs> issue I had with it was he used Jalen Waddle as the Dolphins wide. I know, I know. You can't, you can't have tight. Like, like, yeah, I get come that. Come on, man. That's like saying like somebody's going through and T Higgins had a bigger day than Jamar against the Ravens or something. You're like Ravens against wide receiver ones. He used T instead of Jamar. It's like. They want, to, they want to tell you this guy can be a number one receiver somewhere. Uh, but but no, at the same time, I feel like they've had plenty of wide receivers go off. Top wide receivers go off against this defense. And with Jamar Chase, again, this is a receipt. You can pull this audio if I'm wrong. 
I don't see Jamar Chase having back-to-back bad games because I felt like it was a bad game against the Patriots. Yeah, he actually played bad. It wasn't even just the Patriots did everything they could to take him away. He just he didn't play good. Yeah, so I feel this could be the game where Jamar goes off. I mean, he could be double teamed, and I'm still like, okay, this guy will be fine, and he'll find a way to get the ball. So I'm leaning towards Jamar, too, um, that this will be his game. But, look, if I'm wrong and it's T. Higgins, or maybe it's a Hayden Hurst kind of game because he's going to be out there and he's 100%. I'm not mad about it. It's plenty um, of too high. It could be a Tyler Boyd game. See, that's Tyler Boyd, man. We just don't give that guy enough respect. We always T. Higgins. Jamar Chase, Hayden Hurst, Joe Mixon, Smaj P. Ryan, Tyler Boyd's like, hey, my hand's out here. Guys, I can do it too. I'm playing with a broken finger right now, uh, getting taped up at practice today. And yes, you mentioned Tyler Boyd. I'm I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Just got to make sure you're you're on the same uh, communication as Joe Burrow this week. We'll go with Big Willie. He says, what can this team do to get McPherson's confidence back? I mean, it isn't like you have the team kick a field goal when they shouldn't have to have him out there during the game. I think he kind of means like he hasn't had to have any game winners in these games that he's missed, but it seems like his confidence is down a little bit. I don't know. I, I think he's fine. All these kickers have these short-term memories. McPherson's missed, had bad games, missed kicks before, and he came back and was fine. I mean, I could actually find how he did right after that Packers game, but I don't remember that lingering around very long. Uh, he's very confident for good reason, kicker, and I fully trust that he will be perfectly fine going forward i don't know about you but that's not that's not something i'm that worried about uh finding it after the packers game he went uh two of two four of four extra points and then two of two five five extra points one of he didn't miss a kick again until he missed an extra point against vegas uh in week 10 and the packers game was week five so he went oh of two in that game but then was perfect for five weeks yeah, I agree with you. I think Evan's going to be just fine. And I'll even say this, man, I feel like I have so many hot takes on this podcast right now. Um, I think Evan is a factor on Monday night in a good way. Okay. And and maybe that's maybe that's to take the lead. Maybe that's a game winner. There's so much too much expectations for this game to be close and big with the last court. Whoever has the ball last. I don't I don't like anything about it. Um, that it's not going to end up being as a classic or anything like that. It's just too much people. Too, people are talking about it. Like one of the best Monday Night Football games that have ever happened since 1970-something. Um, that I, I feel like it's going to come down to it's going to be a close game. And obviously we'll get to preview prediction next. But I think Evan's going to um, be a factor in a good way. In a nice little bounce back game. I still think it was weather even though he didn't blame anything on weather. We'll go to BRD. He says, assuming that we resign Hurst, who do you think is suited for tight end number two next year? Drew Sample obviously injured this year, and I don't see Drew Sample coming back, but I could be wrong. Right. Sample's gone. My take is it's it's a drafted guy. They sent their tight end coach, and this was documented on, I don't remember what podcast, but um, they were talking to, I think, one of their college I think it might have been locked up. But somebody was talking to the college director of scouting for uh, the Bengals during draft season. And he, I remember he said, like, yeah, tight end coach. He's He's been to, like, 15 different pro days, watched, like, 50 different guys. And then I was kind of shocked. Like, they didn't come away with a guy because I thought that was what they are going to try to do. Tight end one is also up in the air because mm -hmm. can they afford to bring Hurst back? Probably. Does Hurst want to come back for a similar deal 
or does he feel like he showed enough? Maybe there's a Super Bowl run in there and he has a really good run, or maybe he doesn't have a good run, has a couple big drops and they don't want to bring him back. I don't know. That's all the future. But when I'm seeing this, uh, I think it's a drafted guy. I think you bring Hurst back on a modest deal, one to two years. Probably, t- ah, man, I want to give him two just so he's I not on another one-year deal. But uh, two years, let's say two years for Hurst, and then there's a guy behind that you know you're drafting up. Wish it was my man Greg Dulcich. He went pretty high. Bengals have late picks. It's not fun anymore. You know, they, it's not like a third round pick. This is like third round, fifth pick, and they could have taken him. Uh, but I think they're gonna look really hard at this tight end class. Michael Mayer. There was rumors they're gonna go Trey McBride in round one. I don't remember if you remember that, but. Uh, yeah, I was a little bit scared. <laughs> it's like he wasn't even my favorite tight end. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, and 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 again, I who knows? I don't even want to think about who they're going to pick in the first round. Hopefully, they're they're picking thirty two. Um, and thirty one technically. Thirty one. Ooh, my bad. My bad. Dolphins forfeited pick. My bad. But it sounds stupid to say thirty one because now it sounds like you're predicting a Super Bowl. Loss they're gonna again. they're gonna lose. <laughs> Everybody knows what I mean. I hope they're picking last. It's the last pick on um, draft night, but we'll move on. Plenty of great questions. Thanks again for sending them. You can follow along on Twitter, Bengals underscore fans at LNDS Patterson. Next, we're going to get to predictions. What is going to happen on Monday Night Football on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati? This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It's time. It's time. The game is finally here. It's one year since they won the AFC North. They could do it again, depending on what happens on Sunday Night Football with the Steelers and Ravens. Go Steelers. We move on to this game. Bengals, Bills. What is going to happen? All right. Uh, I know. Such an important game for both teams. Such a cool matchup. You know, we talk so much about how Monday Night Football sucks <laughs> at times because it's like, the it's the Broncos again or something. You know, it's like a matchup nobody wants to watch. And I finally got a good one. I haven't looked to see if a Manning cast is going to be for this one or if I'm going to be listening to Troy and Joe. You don't think there is? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Okay. It's Man. the last Monday Night Football game, I want to say. That's true. I just, as a Manning cast fan, I wish this was also a Manning cast because they had a very bad showing for the Manning brothers <laughs> early this season on Halloween. It was like over within the first quarter and they were talking about whatever with guests. They weren't talking about the plays anymore. Um, man, this game's tough because I think the Bills, it's they're hot, right? Like they're a very good team right now. They've won a bunch of games in a row. I don't think they've looked their best, which is weird. Uh, I think they're getting some guys back. I think Trey White's very good. I think he up and down a little bit this season, just as he's coming back from the ACL, but he is a guy that I think is a little bit of an X factor in this game. Trey White versus Jamar Chase or T Higgins and or T Higgins. And then, you know, they have the matchup advantage of Gregor Russo against whoever's at right tackle, even if it is my guy at energy, uh, so the, I think those are two X factors for when the Bengals are on offense and when they're on defense. You've got Stephon Diggs versus Eli Apple, but then you've also got, you know, DJ Reader's always doing this thing. You know, <laughs> Can you get uh, interceptions against, you know, the spine of the defense versus Josh Allen coming away with some turnovers? I think that the Bengals run defense will be fine in this game, uh, but it's hard. It 
the Bills are on the road and the Bengals are playing at home. Bengals are a very good home team this year. Um, and the fans are showing out. Hopefully that's everybody uh, this Monday. I think it should be a really awesome atmosphere, even though I don't think it's going to be that cold either. Right. It's supposed, it's to, be... supposed to be 61 during the day Ooh. and in like the 40s, uh, high 40s at night. Oh, that's beautiful, right? That's like almost perfect football. <laughs> It'll be like 60 day, 40 night, low wind type situation. That'd be cool. No precipitation. Well, there is uh, a chance of rain late, but like 11 something. So maybe in the fourth quarter. Or overtime. <laughs> Nobody, uh, wants... <laughs> Nobody wants overtime. Nobody wants the rain in overtime. Only bad things can happen. Yeah. Um, I've stalled enough. I think both teams have this is a very dumb answer. Both teams have a very good shot at winning this game. I, I, that's I not think. that's not a prediction. I, I'm getting there. <laughs> Josh Allen's a very good quarterback. Josh Allen, Josh Allen can run a lot. Bengals face a lot of running quarterbacks. They do a good job containing these guys. I'm just trying to talk myself through it. Uh, but we'll just fire one out. 34-31. I do think both offenses have good days. Bengals win. Well, you know what? You know what? I'm going to talk myself into this one, too. Um, I think this team got really good news when you think of the defense. Talked myself into it. I was talking through it. No, no, I'm talking myself into it. No, I'm talking myself into what I'm about to say. You you, you were great. I believe everything that you did not talk yourself into it. I, now I'm talking myself into it. I think they got good news defensively today. Um, this is, like I said before, it's a Wednesday practice. It's their first real practice of the day because of that Monday night football game. Sam Hubbard wasn't on the rehab field and he is limited at practice, but he went go with, with the defensive side of the ball today and he's in the drills. And I think that this team means all business. We've talked about it before, how they handle injuries and maybe they were going to wait. Oh, you might need him for the Ravens game. And then the playoff run. No, this game is huge. Uh, you have these Sunday matchups, and I don't see the Chiefs losing to the Broncos, but goodness, that would be amazing if you fire your coach. There is a stat out there that – You finally uh, gave it up, the, the Chiefs-Broncos game. I'll tell you the stat. There is a stat, and somebody's oh, probably no. lying to me on, on Twitter. Teams are 6-1 and one when they fire their head coach and they have to play the next week. So I'm just this season saying, or the past I, five years. We're just gonna go with um, we're just gonna go over like recently <laughs> in NFL history. <laughs> There's been seven games after a coach got fired. <laughs> coaches fired in it's probably like the last seven games or something, but yeah, it's interesting. I think like I think it? I think players play hard after that. I think you hope you draw the Raiders and not the Chiefs for that match. 100%. But Jerry Drew, Judy was out on Twitter today um, supporting his guy, Russ Wilson, and they're just going to prove a lot of people wrong. This is their Super Bowl. So if the Chiefs happen to lose that game, number one is on the line for the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously not the Bills because uh, they are in control of the number one seed right now going into this Monday night football game. If the Steelers beat the Ravens on Monday night football, looking like Lamar Jackson is going to miss another week to be determined on his timeline. When he's coming back, if he comes back next week, AFC North is on the line. And what is so crazy full circle about it all is one year ago on January 2nd, they played the chiefs. They won the division. Nobody had them beating the chiefs January 2nd, one year later, they're playing the Buffalo bills have a chance to win the AFC North for the first time in team history and back-to-back -back years. And it just feels like one of those storybook endings where you don't think this team can have another highlight 
another huge win, and they do it at home. They've lost one game. It was week one. Everybody knows the outcome of that game. Too much is on the line here. Josh Allen is a great quarterback. This Bills team was predicted in the offseason to go to the Super Bowl for a reason. There's still a lot of football left to play, and I still feel like this is just the first of two times we see Josh Allen again in 2022 when it comes to the January playoffs. I think Cincinnati wins it. Yes, I trust the Bengals' defense, and it's crazy when I think it's going to be this close. I think they get in the 30s. I'm going to say 30-27 Cincinnati. I think it's a huge boost that Sam Hubbard could be back for this game. And just what a huge home field atmosphere that this is going to be on Monday Night Football. So, I fully yeah. agree with you about Sam Hubbard this week because they're probably going to do a plenty of quarterback run stuff, and you want Hubbard for that because that's what he does such a good job defending. Um, all right, I looked it up. So they never won the AFC North back-to-back. Can you tell me the last time the Bengals won the AFC Central, which is what it would be, back-to-back? Yeah. They've only ever done this once. I went through all of the history on a quick glance there. Um, Did they do it? Oh, my gosh. I feel so dumb if I say it. Um, How many years ago? <laughs> Give me a clue. <laughs> it would be 40 years ago to the to the uh, year 81 82 is when yep. they won why the didn't we, why didn't we think of that sorry um but still You're fine i, I don't think you would get it <laughs> but it was before our lifetime um but yeah. i um but i still think it, it's pretty incredible again maybe it's too much storybook and in, in the battle of these quarterbacks hey, this isn't as much storybook as what we're hearing about whitworth and how he's gonna walk onto the field with a every with a you know standing ovation for the super bowl yeah, that's insane. I'm so glad we can finally talk people into realizing that wasn't going to happen today. You know how fast Twitter moves from Andrew Whitworth to, to now they're mad about Hakeem Adeniji? So they want to replace him. <laughs> you even want him to start <laughs> like, <laughs> in the world. Um, but but no, not to make this like, oh, what, what a cool thing right now for, for the Cincinnati franchise. But they drafted Joe Burrow. Everybody remembered, you know, in that April in 2020, uh, what an odd year because of the COVID year. They draft Joe Burrow. He's going to change the franchise forever. Um, obviously, everybody knows what happened his rookie year, and he comes back. He takes this team to a Super Bowl, wins comeback player of the year. You have rookie of the year on the team. This defense is one that is so – I don't. I still don't feel like people pay attention to it. Um, Lou has really changed it for the better and just kind of a full circle of what you wanted when they drafted Joe Burrow, these big games. Now we're in January. This team um, could have a franchise best if they get to 12 to 13 wins. Um, and, and all possible if you win on Monday Night Football when you have the Baltimore Ravens coming to town the following week. This is why you get excited about drafting your franchise quarterback. Um, I feel Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes are the three best quarterbacks in the AFC. You know, there's there's a topic of conversation if they're the best in the NFL, but I do feel like they're the best in the AFC. And it's really cool to have this guy who's changed the franchise, who's been through really tough times. And, and yeah, I know the Andy Dalton years where they did go to the playoffs five years in a row and they lost all those games. Um, this is different. And, and no game feels too big for Joe Burrow. And uh, I think that it's going to be really cool just the whole day of Monday Night Football. It's kind of different from when they played the Cleveland Browns and it was like, oh, they're playing on Monday Night Football. It's Halloween. It never really kind of felt big deal. And this one is just what you you want as a sports fan, as an NFL fan, as, as a team of the Buffalo Bills or the Cincinnati Bengals. You think about these games. And I think that's what's going to be really fun about Monday. Yeah, uh, it was. It's what you, uh, yeah, it is what you hope for. 
uh, when you have a guy like Joe Burrow in an offense like this and a team this good is that you're playing these fun games late in the year. You are playing instead of watching Chiefs, Rams, 51, 47, whatever that score was, that's my guess. Uh, instead of watching that, you're watching your team do that same level of hype for a game. And that's, that's what's cool. Uh, for the fellow Manning heads out there, Manning cast is not this week. Next, the last one of the season is the wild card game. It's actually not been happening for like two weeks. That's that's where the ratings are right I know. now. <laughs> that's where I was. I was like, are they saving it? <laughs> I assumed if it, they were doing it this week, it was done. They're going to do it for the playoff game, though. I just looked it up. Okay. <laughs> nope, not happening. But I, I kind of want to bring this up because um, I mentioned the defense and then Lou Anaruma. And, and every time I'm like, no way Lou does it again. No way Lou does it again. I thought that every single time they played the Chiefs. I thought that last week when they were playing the Patriots, I'm like, sorry, sorry, defense. Like, this is the one where you're just not going to be able to stop. Like, they're probably going to score and you're going to have to figure out a way for Joe Burrow to drive down the field or Evan McPherson than to hit the game winner it is are you do you predict that Lou's gonna have something we haven't seen this year what just for this game yeah they do everything so it's almost like I I I'm, no but mm-hmm. who knows I don't know maybe maybe he dials something up that we haven't seen I think he's gonna have some adjustments I think he likes to get to he, they have such good continuity with this whole team that they could just do whatever they want. Like they hit the field and they're just like uh middle of the game. And he could just go like, yeah, we're not, you know, let's send more pressure. We're not doing enough of that. Or, you know, some teams can only play, you know, certain things because there's so much time you devote to things, but they never play two man, but he could at a switch of a dime. He could just go, we're going to play two man now or something like that. You know, it's just cool. I, I think, that's going to be one issue with uh, players leaving over time and maybe the coordinator leaving. We'll see. Uh, is that, you know, it's not going to be, I don't know if you'll be able to hit the same level of fun and uh, adaptability in the defense. He's such a good game plan coach. I think he's going to have a good game plan for this game. And I almost feel bad predicting that the Bills are going to score 30 points because it's like, there's, some, there's been two teams that have done that. The Browns and Steelers in garbage time. <laughs> Uh, they both scored 30 plus, and those are the only two on the year. I mean, talking about a team that held the Chiefs to 24, and I don't think uh, he's always done well against the Chiefs. So, can he put something together, hold the Bills to 24 points? Possibly. I think the Bills also have at times an underrated defense, and mm-hmm. can they give the Bengals a little bit of trouble? Possibly. I've talked before about how Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd, they like to, you know, lock horns with these corners that are physical. Trey White's one of the most physical corners out there. So do they lock horns a little bit and that slows them down? Maybe. Or does Jamar overpower them? Use, you know, all this other stuff. I don't know. It's it's such an interesting game to me. I just, I think there's a story to be written for either side to win this game. And I just think it'll be close. I think that's the main takeaway I have. I think the Bengals win. I'm not overly confident in that. I think that Vegas is wild, making the Bills the favorite on the road. These two teams are equal, man. (laughs) We need to stop this. Uh, They don't even have Vaughn Miller anymore. So I don't know. I'm expecting a really good game, and I think the Bengals come out on top. But overall, we'll do it again. Who do you think throws for more yards, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow? It was in my head. It was legit in my head. My next question for you when I when I was thinking about Josh Allen, I, I'm kind of twisting your question a little bit differently, how I'm going to ask you, but I think Joe Burrow does. I 
you look at other other quarterbacks out there, and if it's not garbage time, nobody's going to throw for over 300 against Lou in this defense. I think Tom Brady was the only one to do it, and then he had that garbage time touchdown late in the game. I think Joe Burrow does. I just it's, – it's me putting all my eggs in a basket and trusting that they can stop Josh Allen on the ground as a runner – uh, with Sam Hubbard, with Trey Hendrickson, with that pressure. Um, you have DJ Reader. You can stop the run game. Um, he's going to throw it. Maybe Stefan does does have a, himself a day. But I think they let him eat, and they find a way to stop them in the red zone. I don't know. That's just where I'm at right now. I, I think it's going to be Joe Burrow. Josh Allen has one 300-yard performance uh, since week 11. So that's what, one, two, three, four. It- His past six games. So that leans me to say Burrow. But I also think the Bengals have more success on the ground than the Bills, so mm-hmm. maybe that leads it to Allen. I'll just, you know, we'll hit we'll hit both sides. I'll say Allen. I think the Bengals still mm-hmm. win, but I think Allen throws for more yards. I don't know. And the thing is, they don't need Joe Burrow. I don't think they need Joe Burrow to throw for over 300 to win the game. I think they can still find a way to win. You you need your best player in Josh Allen to 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 almost do it all out there. No no offense to Tafan. I just said he's going to probably cook. Um, but Josh Allen is, here's the thing about Josh Allen. He isn't afraid to get in harm's way a little too much. I think if he was my franchise quarterback, I'd be like, go right, Josh, let's, uh, let's keep calm and cool out there. I'm not trying to get your elbow injured a little more or just put yourself. I mean, he's not afraid. He embodies the energy of jumping through a a table. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely fits Bill's mafia just fine. Um, but no, I mean, and overall, I'm I'm really pumped about this game. I really do hope it leads to the expectations that we're going to hear all weekend when you think of, you know, the game of the season between these two teams. When the schedule came out in April and May, we didn't think, or we, we probably all thought, I hope this game means something. And uh, it could mean the number one seed. And I think that's absolutely just exciting to think about where this team started after 0-2 uh, to where they're at now as one of the top teams in the AFC. You could say the same for Buffalo and Kansas City and Cincinnati. So, What's up on all Bengals? What's going to be up besides Hakeem Adeniji? Are you going to change a little, little bit of it up? Or are you going to put maybe an Isaiah Prince article up? It's too late. <laughs> it's the Hakeem Adeniji article. Check it out. Hopefully he starts. <laughs> the thing is, and I want to say this for our mailbag questions, we did get a plenty of Hakeem and Isaiah Prince stuff. It's wild because some of you asked those before the news broke out um, that it was more than likely going to be Isaiah Prince, that you had a lot of questions about the right tackle position. Um, I didn't get to all of them because obviously we, we hit on in the first segment, but thank you as always for sending those. We will be back. We'll have a recap of this game on Tuesday, so make sure you listen to it and then kind of a look ahead to the Baltimore Ravens game. Maybe we're talking division champs. Maybe we're talking a loss on Monday Night Football, but um, should be a good game. Follow along on Twitter, Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at Ellen Diaz Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.